Support for Think Humanities is brought to you by Spalding University's Sina Jeter Naslund, Karen Mann Graduate School of Writing. Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 51 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. Today's guest on our podcast is Chris Caldwell, the Reverend Chris Caldwell, who is the chair of the Department of Religious Studies uh, at Simmons College in Louisville. Chris is a um, a new member of our Speakers Bureau, joining in uh, um, August, um, and he is available, as uh, a lot of you know, from our previous podcast on our Speakers Bureau members. He is available uh, to join your your civic group, uh, your uh, church group, uh, your small town group to tell you more about uh, his expertise in a particular area. Uh, Reverend Caldwell, it's uh, so good to meet you um, uh, for the first time and to have you as a member of our Speakers Bureau. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be with you. So to begin with, uh, before we jump into the uh, the two topics that you are available and even more so, Tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, if you would, sir. Sure. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. I went to Rhodes College for undergrad, um, Southern Seminary here in Louisville for my master's degree and Ph.D. in New Testament at Baylor, and have been serving progressive Baptist congregations around the country for about 25 years. And then uh, seven years ago, made a transition away from that and joined the faculty at Simmons College of Kentucky. And being uh, in Nashville and and um, myself for many years before, um, uh, and being familiar with some students uh, and some friends who who went to Rhodes. Rhodes, a a private uh, liberal arts uh, school in Memphis, Tennessee. Is that correct? Yes, it is. I often compare it to our rival Center College here in Kentucky. I refer to it as Center with better barbecue. <laughs> um, but very, very similar in terms of the student demographics, the age of the uh, the college and uh, historic background and even the curriculum, fairly similar. Do you remember specifically uh, why you or maybe even your uh, could be your parents, grandparents or some uh, uh, influencer in your life uh, suggested that you attend Rhodes? Uh, my dad pulled a mailer out of the uh, mail that I had discarded and uh um, I looked into it a little bit and talked with someone about law school possibilities, and they sang the praises of Rhodes, and it also gave me a chance to play a little basketball. So all all of the above led me that direction. Okay, that's a good answer. Uh, Reverend Chris Caldwell, Chris's uh, talks uh, for Kentucky Humanities uh, from the Speakers Bureau are uh, in two areas, uh, but we're going to talk uh, a little bit more broad than that. But his... Um, Intriguing titles, My Academic Strangers, Simmons College of Kentucky and Rhodes College is uh, uh, one of those. And the second one uh, is From Slavery to Today, uh, the Past, uh, Present of Simmons College um, of Kentucky. And uh, Chris, if you don't mind, I'd like to start there because as we chatted before we started, I would venture to say that outside of the Louisville area, maybe maybe inside mm -hmm. uh, uh, the Watterson Expressway, 
not a lot of people are aware uh, of Simmons. So tell us a little bit about uh, Simmons College. Yeah, you're exactly right about Simmons. I meet many people in Louisville, white and black, who are unfamiliar with Simmons, better known in the black community, of course, but unknown to many. So happy to talk with you a little bit about our history, which began in 1879. Um, our um, college was founded by uh, former slaves. Um, they came together within a months of the end of the Civil War and began making plans to found the college. It took some years to put together the funds and the resources to begin the college, but the college was founded in 1879. And our first president was Elijah P. Mars, who was a local minister. And he was a networker and helped put together the resources. He was a freed slave um, and uh, came to Simmons having served in the Civil War and was president for a few years, and then brought on William J. Simmons, who had had a chance in the intervening years to go and get a formal education. And so Mars was glad to have someone with that background who could come and lead the college, because Mars had not had an opportunity as an enslaved man, of course, to go to college. And in fact, when Simmons came as president, Mars enrolled as a student. So it's the only example I know of among colleges where a former president enrolled as a student. But if you know the history of slavery, it, it makes sense in a tragic kind of way. So those are the early years of the college. I'm assuming that uh, um, President Simmons, uh, who was the president at that time, the school is named after him. Yes, it is named for him. He was a mover and shaker in the black intellectual world. Um, William Doherty, in a presentation at Harvard University, uh, talks about Simmons in his review of what's called the black social gospel. And Simmons was very influential in that movement. Um, he died a young man. He died in his 40s, unfortunately. And Doherty observes that had Simmons lived, he seemed to have been the one person who might have had the gravitas to bring together Du Bois and Booker T. Washington. And those are the two most powerful uh, thinkers in the uh, African-American intellectual tradition of that time. And he was positioned somewhat between them. Uh, they never really reconciled, and uh, Simmons uh, uh, passed away before he had a chance to bring them together. Tell me from uh, a, a time uh, date, a, a time stamp, if you will, um, we're all familiar, and I, I hope you're much more familiar with the Berea story than I am. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I know a lot of what happened uh, at Berea uh, uh, occurred uh, later, I believe, with, uh, with Reverend um, Fee. Um, what, what were the dates uh, that, uh, that uh, Berea was admitting uh, African-American students uh, until they couldn't anymore because of uh, action by the legislature. That was up in the uh, um, in the, the, the 20th century, I believe. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that was sort of the Reconstruction era. I, I know that history of Berea, and it's an honorable, wonderful history. I don't know the specific dates, uh, but certainly they were on the leading edge of integrating colleges in the South. So at the time in 1879, Simmons was... Um, uh, was a, a, an all-black uh, school at mm -hmm. the time, uh, and, and what was its student population? Um, it was a mix of folks. It really was founded to be a liberal arts college, 
And so if you're, well, you're from Nashville, so you're familiar with FISC, it was on the same trajectory as FISC. Uh, it had a variety of programs, a pre-law, pre-medicine program, a nursing program, a liberal arts college. Um, and so it drew students with interest in all those different areas. Their initial students, of course, would overwhelmingly have been formerly enslaved people who were desirous of, of getting an education now that they had the freedom to get that education. Um, unlike Tuskegee, um, Booker T. Washington School, it never had an agricultural side situated as it has been in an urban area. So it was much more a liberal arts school than a, a trade school, if you will. Uh, Simmons has uh, not always uh, uh, had the best of times. Uh, there have been some times when it's uh, low enrollment and that sort of thing. Could you give us a little bit of history um, uh, from, from 1879 uh, to, to present day, what, what has been sort of the, the progress of, a, has it always been uh, an active school um, uh, from, from that period? Has it ever been shut down or, or stopped uh, enrollment? Uh, never closed its doors, but came very close. Uh, you are definitely right. There were lots of struggles in the history of Simmons. It was on that path with Fisk um, and other liberal arts HBCUs. But during the uh, Depression, financial times hit, and they were at risk of losing um, the college. And so um, University of Louisville stepped in and took over the school and made it Louisville's Black College, because, of course, at this point, Simmons was not I'm sorry, Louisville was not integrated. So it became Municipal College and traveled under that name for decades as it served as the Black College to the University of, of Louisville. And so Louisville's to be affirmed uh, from moving away from that. They hired a Dr. Parrish, the chair of the sociology department, the star faculty member, and he integrated the University of Louisville faculty when he came over from Simmons in the around 1950 or so, and thus making Louisville the first university south of the Mason-Dixon line to integrate its faculty, which is the, the wonderful part of the story. The other side of that story is everyone else at Simmons got fired and nobody else came over and Simmons was only allowed to offer religious degrees at that point, because obviously the University of Louisville didn't want Simmons competing for the same students that they were now trying to enroll within the university. So in essence, um, Simmons was forced onto a track of becoming a strictly religious institution. It became a Bible college and really limped along for many decades as a Bible college with very small enrollment um, and got down to uh, an enrollment just in the dozens of students, and most of them part-time students, uh, lost accreditation, lost licensure, but never closed its doors um, and then began a, a, a long climb back to a more successful school about uh, 17 years ago. So 17 years, it, it's not something that goes back uh, 50 years or even uh, right. more than that. It's, it's a relatively new. What does the designation and, and do you, uh, we all know that, um, what, what is an HBCU, a historical black uh, university or college? Let's just start there with the definition. Sure, um, these are colleges that have their roots um, among African-Americans, they had to have been founded prior to the civil rights movement in 1964. That's one of the criteria. Um, so they had to be in existence before that time, and they had to have a history of having served Black students. 
Um, and so Simmons is almost certainly the final school to have been granted HBCU status because from 1964 until about 10 years ago, when it got gained initial HBCU status, um, Simmons was not an official HBCU. It had never applied um, because it had been a municipal college for a while. They weren't sure they could attain it, but uh, with the new administration, they went back, did the historic work, historical work, and made a case to the federal uh, government um, that they should be admitted as an HBCU and were able to show institutional continuity all the way back to 1879. So um, it was granted HBCU status. And to my knowledge, there are no other black colleges with any intentions of seeking HBCU status. They probably have it now if, if they were going to get it. What does that designation do for a college or did it do for Simmons? Um, it certainly helps with visibility, and there are some Title IV federal dollars that come along with that. HBCUs are able to draw from a relatively small um, federal basket of funds, but it was significant to, to Simmons. It brought an additional, I want to say, uh, half million dollars or so into the budget uh, for Simmons. And, uh, and if, as the enrollment has grown, that number has, has gone up somewhat because it is tied to enrollment. One of the, um, uh, in your Speakers Bureau uh, write-up, and by the way, uh, to listeners, if they're not familiar with our Speakers Bureau, uh, if you do go to our website, kyhumanities.org, you go to our programs uh, tab, pull that down to Speakers Bureau, go to the Speakers roster, it tells you, gives you specific and very easy instructions on how to uh, contact a speaker, how to book a speaker, uh, what the fee is, um, uh, how available they uh, might be, uh, contacting them, that sort of thing, what their talks are about. All the information is there at kyhumanities.org. Uh, uh, one of the uh, paragraphs that you include in the write-up that you sent us that we have printed uh, on our website is uh, concerning uh, Simmons College and the uh, penal program that is operating uh, there or was, which is just uh, uh, pretty close to being fascinating. Um, 2023 became the only college in Kentucky uh, offering uh, what's called second chance Pell degrees to those in prison. So uh, Chris, tell, tell us a little bit about that program. Sure. It is a wonderful program. Um, I had the opportunity this summer uh, to teach in two different uh, state prisons here in Kentucky as a part of that program. Uh, we now have uh, about 250 students enrolled at Simmons who are in three different uh, state prisons. And so a second chance Pell program, and they exist around the country, gives incarcerated people an opportunity to take their standard need-based grant called a Pell Grant um, and apply that toward um, college classes while they are incarcerated. And so we are offering um, four-credit courses leading toward uh, degrees at Simmons or courses that they can take to other colleges upon release uh, there within the prison. About a third of those are offered in person. The other two-thirds are offered through um, a variation on an online class. Obviously, incarcerated people do not have internet connectivity, but by utilizing the prison's intranet, there is a way to do a, a slightly different version of online education within um, prisons. 
Are there, to your knowledge, uh, a prison question now, uh, an incarceration question? Are there many programs uh, being offered in our institutions uh, around the state, whether it be from Simmons or any other uh, 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 educational uh, system? I have heard my students talked about another entity that I think is a national entity that does sort of online programs within prisons. Um, I'm not aware of another college within Kentucky that's offering classes. I did get to know some wonderful people um, who are working within prisons, helping um, incarcerated people to obtain their GEDs. And so there is a robust program within the prisons helping people to become college ready by getting them their, their GEDs. What were you teaching? Um, I taught a course that I developed um, a couple of years ago in part with a uh, grant from J.P. Morgan Chase. Uh, and the title of the class is Name It to Shame It, Data and the Sin of Structural Racism. So it is a course within our Department of Religious Studies, which I chair, um, but it looks very much at structural issues. Um, and we look at the, the story of George Floyd. Our textbook is His Name is George Floyd, a wonderful biography of him. And it traces how different structural issues, education, mass incarceration, housing, um, um, healthcare, all these things affected him. And, and he's not simply the product of those things. He had agency and, and made some unfortunate um, decisions, but he was very much affected in his lifetime by the structural forces around him. So we look at that and then look at how those forces um, affect um, everyone in our society, but especially and in a unique way, African-Americans. I'm talking with uh, the Reverend Chris Caldwell, who is the chair of the Department of Religious Studies at Simmons College in Kentucky. We've been talking about Simmons as uh, one of Kentucky's two HBCUs, the other one historically Black University and College, the other one being uh, Kentucky State University, uh, Simmons being the, the, the second one or first or second, whichever, but we have two in, in our, our Commonwealth. Uh, he has two talks uh, that he gives and could probably uh, express himself in many other ways, too, uh, from our Speakers Bureau. Uh, we're going to take a pause and hear from our good friends at Spalding University, and then we're going to come back and hear uh, his uh, conversation, uh, his uh, talk entitled My Academic Strangers, uh, Simmons College of Kentucky and Rhodes College down in Memphis, Tennessee. So first, we'll hear from our good friends at Spalding University's writing program. Spalding University's low residency MFA in creative writing prepares students to publish, produce, and find professional success. Alumni publish books with top presses, write for television and film, and have plays produced around the country. They work as editors, professors, media professionals, content developers, and more. Writers thrive at Spalding's Naslin Mann Graduate School of Writing. Learn more at spalding.edu slash MFA or email schoolofwriting at spalding.edu. Chris, as I said at the uh, very beginning, uh, that, that uh, it uh, is a um, an unusual title, but that's what titles are for, right? They're either <laughs> exactly. on the bookshelf and they uh, uh, pique someone's interest in the the. You must be a pretty good title guy, I guess. As a as a minister, you have to uh, you have to put put that in the uh, 
uh, sermon bulletin every uh, yep. week. And uh, if someone doesn't like the title or if it's boring, they're not going <laughs> to listen to you, right? That's exactly right. So uh, tell me about my academic stranger, Simmons College and, and Rhodes uh, College of uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Well, a few years into teaching at Simmons, I became keenly aware of the fact that I inhabited a space that few people um, have known. And that is, I, I had the opportunity, the blessing of going to a wonderful liberal arts college and benefited from it immensely. Um, it is a, a college very much like Center College here in Kentucky. Uh, most students are affluent students. All the students are very well prepared. You can't get into a school like Center or Rhodes if you are not well prepared. You simply will not be admitted. But as I moved into Simmons and began to experience my students in the classroom, the thing that stood out to me was I saw the same capacity in my students at Simmons that I had seen in my classmates at Rhodes. Um, there were some people at Rhodes who were not terribly bright. Um, they were very well prepared, but you know, I would try out jokes on them or we would try to have conversations and they couldn't keep up. And so it wasn't that everybody at Rhodes or everybody at Center is smart or especially gifted. As many of them are, but they are all very well prepared. And my students, for the most part, there are exceptions, but we draw, draw primarily from student populations that come from underserved, under-resourced schools where the level of preparation is, uh, is much lower and they have structural forces that have hindered them as they've moved through life in terms of exposure to, to certain things. And so they come to college with the intellectual ability to thrive in college and go on and do graduate school. And we have students who do that, but they have some catching up to do in terms of uh, preparation. So um, I just wanted those two institutions to be more familiar uh, with each other. Um, they have certain commonalities, but they also have some very big differences. What is the student population at Simmons uh, presently? Uh, we have about 500 students right now. Is that at, uh, at, at a peak or uh, since COVID, I guess there's been some change. Did you have more before uh, the pandemic? And uh, do you have any idea about that? Or um, you've really, you've been there several years. And yeah. I know that was a struggle for um, many people, students and professors to get through the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, we we grew prior to the pandemic, but when I started, we probably had, um, in terms of what are called FTEs, full-time enrollments, only about 125 students oh. and grew to about 250 prior to COVID. And yes, we had a bit of a dip during COVID, but then there's been a resurgence uh, since uh, since COVID, assisted by you know what we're doing with Second Chance Pell. Um, so that is... Um, you know, it is a growth pattern for us that's been going on for about a decade now. What um, are, are the students primarily from the Louisville Jefferson County area? It certainly is the the lion's share of our population, but we have students from across Kentucky and from across the, the nation. We have a great many students from uh, Tennessee, from Illinois, Virginia. So, so we draw uh, some students nationally. Most of the students who come to us from outside of Kentucky are drawn to our music program. And why? Um, it's a it's a strong music program. It's an opportunity to be in a, a liberal arts college and have the unique experience 
of being in a historically black uh, college or university band. And it is not the same thing as the marching band I saw in my high school uh, on the north end of, of Nashville and Goodlettsville growing up. It's a unique experience and there's a unique culture that goes with that. Is Simmons uh, affiliated uh, with any religious organization? It is. With the National Baptist Convention, um, it is one of the largest um, uh, Black Baptist conventions in the United States, uh, it along with the Progressive Baptist Convention um, and, and another a form of the National Baptist Convention are kind of the big, big three. So we are thankful for NBCA and, and would not have remained in existence down the years without the support of the state and the national uh, versions of the NBCA. And tell us about the relationship uh, or uh, the involvement of Dr. Kevin uh, Cosby. None of this happens without Kevin Cosby. I mean, he is a dynamic leader. Um, 15 years ago, he, um, he took on the presidency and through his congregation, uh, brought an infusion of funds, which allowed Simmons to buy back our main campus at 7th in Kentucky, which had been lost during the 1950s, 1960s. Um, and so they, uh, Simmons was able to repurchase the original campus and began uh, building up the buildings. Um, he's a wonderful fundraiser, and the Gaines Foundation stepped in initially and was a big help in getting us started. Um, 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 David Jones, uh, um, when President Cosby went and talked with him and explained to him what he wanted to do. At that point, there was really no nothing to show in terms of progress yet because he had just taken over. And David Jones handed him, David Jones Sr. handed him a check for a million dollars, which was transformative. And so we appreciate the way Louisville has stepped up increasingly the last few years with a variety of foundations, as well as national foundations to support what we're doing. But uh, without President Cosby, it, it doesn't happen. He is a visionary leader leader and um, an entrepreneurial um, person when it comes to institutions um, and has been a godsend to the history of Simmons. And he's still in the pulpit uh, uh, on Sundays and Wednesdays, uh, maybe he, four or five times, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Uh, none of us know how he can do it. <laughs> um, he, he preaches multiple times on Sunday mornings, and I've made that uh, circuit with him. Uh, they have three different campuses. Uh, now he has great people who work with him and for him, and he would be the first to say he couldn't do it without wonderful teams in, in both places. But he, he does it and gives full attention to both. He is fully invested in both places. Well, not that um, that ministers, uh, preachers, um, uh, persons of the cloth uh, can't uh, have a, a change of heart and a, a change of uh, jobs, uh, mm -hmm. just like anyone else in regular life. What, uh, where did you get to in, in your uh, life that said to you, I'm going to step out of the pulpit and, and you may still be in the pulpit for all mm -hmm. I know, and that's yeah. maybe part of your story that you're still doing some of that, but uh, stepping out of the pulpit and, and into the college classroom? Yeah, no, I left the pastorate and and did it after having becoming involved in a beginning along with uh, Joe Phelps and Dr. Cosby, an organization called Empower West, which brought together black and white congregations here around the issue of racial justice. Um, so we had been uh, working together on that 
um, and within that organization for two or three years. And President Cosby approached me about coming over and joining the faculty at Simmons. I had already been teaching as an adjunct professor for a couple of years and decided it was time to, to make a change. And so loved what I did at Broadway Baptist Church for 15 years and still love the people there and, and worship there. But uh, uh, have loved what I've done at, at Simmons. It's been a, a wonderful transition and a great change. Uh, Chris, do you see that um, it seems like in this country today we are still struggling with the uh, the race question? Mm -hmm. um, it it uh, is something that uh, you don't have to look far into the headlines uh, each and every day to find a story, uh, either something that's happened in the past or uh, something that's coming up in the future. We all know that. Uh, the Breonna Taylor incident in Louisville caused uh, quite a disruption. In fact, that trial is is undergoing uh, is is ongoing right now. I understand. Mm -hmm. um, what what do you and uh, the uh, others that you counsel with and and talk with uh, see as uh, a, a way out of uh, uh, racial strife and uh, something that we all need to to work on and think about and pray about and and uh, try to do something about. I think the, the key I hear people talking about is honest conversations. It, it's not about white guilt or, or beating up on folks who, who look like me as a white person, but it is about just having an honest conversation. Can we talk about history? Uh, and there, in certain sectors, there's a decreasing interest in, in doing that. Um, but you have to talk about history if you're going to talk about racial issues. Because if you look at the disparities in terms of where black people are and where white people are today, and all the statistics, you know, income, home values, level of education, all these things, either you take an honest look at how history and structures helped to create an environment where that is so, um, or you're really left withdrawing a conclusion that there must be something wrong with black people. Because if you don't look at the other factors and you assume um, it has not been a rigged game or a stacked deck, then um, it, it takes you in, in a very negative direction in terms of your your perception of black people. So that's why um, um, African-Americans and those of us who work with them are, are steadfast in our commitment to studying history and looking at the bigger picture, because these are not simple um, things to understand. These are not simple dynamics. It's a complex thing, uh, this racial issue in, in our country, and you have to you have to engage it in a in a rich way and have an honest conversation about it. So I think having honest conversations and moving across racial lines. Um, Ninth Street is absolutely Ninth Street in Louisville, and it was designed to be Ninth Street. It was designed to be by the urban planners, a racial divide in this city. That's why it's so wide, um, literally why it's so wide. Um, and it still functions as a divide. When I move around in East Louisville, when I go to Kentucky author forums um, at or or um, um, Filson lectures at the temple, I always look around to see how many black faces are in the room. And I'll go to a lecture with 250 people there and seldom do I see a black face in the room. We are still a very segregated city. So just coming together to have conversation across those lines and getting to know one another is a big part of it as well. Well, 
Dr. Um, uh, or Reverend uh, Chris Caldwell, um, I'm not sure there's a, a doctorate in there or not. I didn't oh, there, to, uh, there, there is, but I'm, I'll just, I'm, Chris, Chris is fine not. with me. Uh, Chris, appreciate you sharing your, your thoughts on the latter and uh, also your uh, interesting talks uh, for Kentucky Humanities on the two subjects that uh, we talked about. And also the information on Simmons College, which again, I, I dare say for myself and for many others, uh, this is uh, information that we we know of, uh, maybe Simmons, but not uh, the details uh, about how Simmons uh, got to where they are today. And uh, appreciate it and hope to uh, to see you in person and be on campus with you sometime and, and meet sure. some of those fine faculty members uh, that you talked about and, and see uh, the students uh, in the classroom. Um, and um, uh, we'll, we'll have a, a new relationship with an HBCU. All right. We would be happy to have you anytime. And I appreciate the interest in Simmons and this opportunity to tell a bit of our story. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 51 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities.